You're with SBS Radio. Find more great stories in your language at sbs.com.au. Joining me on NITV Radio is Nicole Monks, one of the artists featured in 107 on the Rocks, an inspiring new multi-arts festival that's totally transformed the Sydney City neighbourhood. Nicole Monks, welcome to NITV Radio. Thank you. Now you're participating in this uh, multi-art uh, festival, 107 on the Rocks, a festival run by uh, 107 Projects, and this charity focuses on connecting the creative industries to communities to creative positive social change. When I was looking at this, actually this motto aligns very closely with uh, your own practice. Yeah, it does actually, now that you mention it. Yeah, I have worked with 107 quite a few times and it's probably because a lot of our philosophies do align quite well. Very excited to be working with 107 Projects again on this particular uh, work just because they do such innovative and cutting-edge projects throughout Sydney, unlike any other sort of organisation that I know of. So, yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity to... um, explore a new space down there at um, in the rocks at the coroner's court, which is, I believe, a space that has never actually been activated with an artwork previously. So, yeah, very exciting. And this just to give it re- renewed vibrancy in the area. But you are also known as a multidisciplinary artist. You have uh, photography, art installations. You even have been to furniture design and so many other things. Yeah. What did you, uh, what's your participation in this uh, festival? So I've made a work with Janine Bory. That's my mum. We work a lot um, together creatively. And the work's called Devil Devil or Devil Devil, which is um, what Mob used to call the smallpox disease when it came through Australia. So it was sort of what we call the first pandemic to hit our shores, you know, and it happened in 1789, just one year after the first fleet arrived. Um, And obviously smallpox was everywhere else around the world. It wasn't heard of out here, I believe. You know, there's no stories of that that have been passed down until that moment, there's a real controversy about how it sort of comes to our shores. It was brought out here as the roller, I think they call it, which is um, basically the smallpox scabs, which is a bit gross, but the surgeons brought it out with them on the boat, and that can actually bring with it live um, smallpox because they use that to um, cure anybody if it was found to be anywhere. But... Yeah, a year after um, a year after they landed, and right in the middle of like the frontier wars where mob was fighting for country, the smallpox pandemic hit, and um, it killed between sixty to ninety percent of the population. And now that we've been through, you know, a um, a pandemic, and if you imagine just walking out onto your street and sixty to ninety percent of the people had just passed away, you can imagine the immense devastation that that would have caused. And there's a lot of hypotheses about what could have happened. The French could have bought it the year before, but they'd been gone for a year. It could have come from up north, but no one in between here and there had it. It could have been here already, but then there's no stories of that. And then, you know, the one that nobody wants to, or no one on the um, in the colony wanted to believe was that 
it had been um, given to the Aboriginals as a part of the biological warfare. And in fact, people who were in the colony had been in America where they'd actually used smallpox as biological warfare over there. So part of the work is that you get to become the coroner and um, you take a walk with Uncle Billy Mack, who does a wonderful job down there for us. You'll put on all of the scrubs and everything and become the coroner and you'll get taken through the work little room by little room. It's all the way down in the basement. So like all of the hidden stories that are in the basement that don't want to be told and... um, yeah, you sort of you sort of have that unraveling of that story, and then you know you can decide and be the judge or the coroner in this um, in this case and decide how you know the fate of sixty to ninety percent of local mob in that area came to be. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, really uh, poignant that you bring that to light because uh, when um, I was interviewing another artist uh, not a long time ago, and that's when I also learned that actually in the first fleet, 11 sheep and there were 11 vials of smallpox. So the question was who would want to introduce uh, smallpox into a new place where it does not exist previously and why would they do that and if not uh, to actually eradicate a population? Yeah. Well, mobs sort of renowned for fighting back during those years with the frontier wars. But again, that's not noted in really in our history or in our war memorials to the extent that it should be at all. So people don't understand that it was a war and it could could have been an act of um, biological warfare. Just the idea as well, though, that it was like, women, children, babies, elders, you know, there's no kind of, um, yeah, it's just rampant and, you know, indiscriminatory amongst people that it, um, yeah, and in an awful, awful way, you know, absolutely covered from head to toe in um, the smallpox. So, yeah, a lot of people that I've just talked to about this work over the last sort of couple of weeks, you know, no one even knew that smallpox came here that like at that time or that it killed so many people in Sydney. Yeah. So I really think it is a story that's hidden in our basement. So it's quite a poignant um, space, you know, such a great space for me to be able to tell this story and for 107 to be able to support and Billy Mack as well. You know, Uncle Billy Mack is such a, you know, a um, renowned Aboriginal elder in the area to bring the story to life as well and take people through so it's just very small groups up to three and it'll be um it's on till the first of may or just for thursday friday saturday sunday and um yeah he'll walk you through and and tell you the story now i couldn't think of a better home for devil devil in one of Sydney's oldest suburbs, laden with a colonial history. I remember even down the road at Sakulaki, actually, there used to be a replica of one of the tall ships of the Fast Fleet, providing a direct connection to the pandemic brought onto this country. That's right, that's right. And I think, um, yeah, I think now that, like I said, a lot of us have, you know, and lived through this, and I think today that, um, you know, I feel like the um, I've just succumbed to the COVID as well, which is quite poignant. But, um, yeah, now that we've all lived through that and we've only seen a very small death rate comparatively, but, you know, how much um, change that has caused to our society as well, you know, and the way that we, we live 
and the trauma and all of those things that have come, you know, from that and and the isolating again. Mob did that too. You know, they they did the isolating back back in the day. There's caves and things like that where mob were isolating. So all of these, you know, things that are coming out of um, out of having a pandemic today were really, you know, also very poignant back then as well. So. No, it's a, it's a really very good to exhibit that and actually give it a lot of uh, publicity so people know what happened. Coming back mm. to this exhibition, was it um, inspired by this ongoing pandemic or it's something you'd always planned to actually bring to light? A lot of the time the works I do are very responsive to space and place and story that's connected to that place. And so I... Um, Yeah, I went there to do a a site visit and, I mean, Jess had seen a whole exhibition I'd done. I had up at uh, the lockup in Newcastle called Miyano Wimana and um, she was like, I'd love to see that. It was like these, it was was an old jail and so it had a lot of these similar kind of um, architectural and sort of, you know, aesthetics. Uh, but when I went there, I was like, actually, there's a different story that, you know, needs to be told in this space. And, um, yeah, then I just sat with that for a moment and just wondered, you know, about the space and what their role was in the colony. As the coroner's court, it was the person who had the final decision on how someone, you know, had come to pass, whether, you know, it was through natural means or you know, the means of um, somebody else or, you know, things like that. So I just found it very poignant that this this idea that smallpox just arrived here and people have been trying to point fingers in every other sort of direction, even saying it's chickenpox and things like that. It's quite unbelievable that this could happen and have no resolve on on how, how it came to be here. I think everybody, you know, when you sort of see the the facts of it all sort of stacked up together, you know, you can really start to have a little bit of a, an idea of how that possibly unfolded. But again, everybody has their own opinion and they can um, make their own decision. But without the facts or without the information being um, readily available or talked about or, you know, in our you know, vernacular, just people don't even know that it existed. Yeah. So it's really just about bringing that story to light so people can have a much better understanding of how hard it was, you know, for mob here as well. Like, they were ruthless. Well, if it's true, they were ruthless, you know. You're renowned for really strong collaborations. You work with a lot of artists and now you're working with your mum. Uh, was it yep. easy to bring her on board, especially because you're also renowned for telling stories in a subversive way and thought-provoking. Was it easy to bring your mum on board? Yeah, well, I've worked with my mum quite a lot, actually. Um, I think it's a really um, good way for us to have, you know, a lot of healing um, about, you know, our journey. We're part of the stolen generation. So for us to reconnect with culture and community and give, give voice stories and our you know our mob that didn't have a voice for so many years due to you know the removal of children um you know this this now gives us you know a a space to be able to give a voice to 
all of the people that haven't haven't been able to. And, you know, this is just another one of those kind of stories where, you know, mob haven't been able to have a voice to tell this story. And it felt quite different for me to be able to be holding the steering wheel while telling um, while telling this story, like from, you know, from an Aboriginal perspective. It was just very different. I was like, you know, I could, you know, mould or guide this in any way. You know, I want, like, I really am in control of this and I could see the power of, you know, um, you know, the Western sort of canon of always telling history. Like, I could see how, you know, you could bend or mould or tell which parts you wanted and you could tell your own story and that then people would believe that and then that's what goes on. Yeah. Or you don't tell it, you delete it yeah. and then that's what goes on. Yeah, it was a very interesting process. Yeah. Now, I know I've caught you at a time when um, it's not the most appropriate. We journalists have tendency to just disrupt people's lives, uh, so I don't want to hold you any longer. But before I let you go, uh, any last word or message you'd like to put out there to the community? Wow. Um, I would just say if you do get a chance to get down there, it's only on for another two weeks. And, you know, and don't just, um, you know, be complacent in our history. If you hear something, you know, and it's of interest, really, like, research it, find out the places and the spaces that we live and work and what what are the true stories, what are the true histories of the land that we walk on. It's You know, it's so important to understand and, you know, I implore everyone to um, go down to the rocks for the next two weeks and, um, you know, educate themselves a little bit on... Um, What's happened right there on that there foreshore, you know, that um, you know, has had such a dramatic effect, effect on the First Nations people of our country. Nicole Monks, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us about 107 on the Rocks and uh, your participation in this multi-art uh, festival with, um, is it Devo Devo? Yeah, Devo Devo, that's it. Yeah. Devo Wonderful, Devo. thank you so much. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.